welcome back to another episode of Guidepost in Motion, a podcast highlighting risk, compliance, and security professionals with insights meant to keep you, your business, and operations moving forward. My name is Ken Mendelson, and I am a Senior Managing Director at Guidepost Solutions. Joining me today is Joe DeMarco, a Parco partner at DeVore and DeMarco LLP. Joe has years of experience counseling clients on issues involving information privacy and security, theft of intellectual property, computer intrusions, online fraud, and the lawful use of new technology. And today, he is here to talk with us about managing risk in the face of ransomware. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Ken, thanks so much for having me, and thank you to my friends at Guidepost for putting on this program. Oh, great. Joe, uh, so let's get started. Ransomware is a problem that many of us are all too familiar with. Throughout your career in private practice and in the government as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, you've handled a host of cybercrime investigations. I'm sure some of them have involved ransomware. Would you describe some of them for us? Sure, Ken, I'd be happy to. And, uh, you know, ransom and extortion have been around, of course, for as long as human beings have been around. And so it's not surprising, therefore, that with the advent of computing computers and the switch to the digital economy, ransomware actors and extortionate uh, defendants, criminals, would also migrate uh, into that environment as well. I first prosecuted a, a cyber extortion case when I was a federal prosecutor over 20 years ago. And it involved the threat to release damaging information about someone unless uh, certain monies weren't paid to the person with the information. It's obviously blossomed since then. And certainly I would say that what we today typically describe uh, as ransomware, which is a species of or a form of extortion, really came into being on a large scale in the last five to 10 years. Uh, and in the last five to 10 years, uh, ransomware has gone from kind of the fringes of the cybercrime economy to the heart of the cybercrime economy. And it's not surprising. We've seen other issues, of course, in, in uh, cybercrime rise and fall. At one time, uh, spam was a huge problem. Spam is a much smaller problem now. Then came phishing. Phishing is still out there, of course. But a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about ransomware because its prevalence has dramatically increased. Uh, and when you think about it, if you're a bad guy looking to make money online, you can oftentimes do just that from the safety, anonymity, and comfort, literally, of your own home somewhere in the world by corrupting or stealing someone's data and then threatening them if they don't uh, do exactly what you want them to do. Yeah, it is, it is truly the, the current scourge, if you will. And uh, you really do bring up a very good point about this this upward trend in the number of attacks. Uh, and it's not just the number of attacks, attacks that are increasing. The ransom amounts that are being paid seem to be increasing as well. Um, according to the 2021 ransomware threat report that uh, Palo Alto Networks just released, the average ransom paid by organizations in the US, Canada, and Europe increased from about 115,000 in uh, 2019 to over 312,000 in 2020. That's a 171% year over year increase. And, and that's not even including the, the very recent $100 million demand Acer computing is facing. Um, 
the report also talks about the rise of the double extortion tactic. Can you uh, describe a little bit about that, what that is? Sure, sure, I'd be happy to. And you know, just by way of background, you know, I think it's, it's important to keep in mind that, that there is, in a sense, an arms race going on between the cybercrime criminals that are perpetrating ransomware and companies and organizations and individuals that are defending against ransomware. Uh, and it does seem, and it is the case, that every time the defenses improve, the offensive capabilities of the wrongdoers also improves. So just as the technology is evolving across every area of the digital economy, in the ransomware corner of that ecosystem, there's also a technological race going on. You know, when I first started dealing with situations involving, you know, hardcore ransomware, which, you know, again, a form of extortion where people's data is corrupted or encrypted and not decrypted unless they pay the money. When I really started to see that rise was about, you know, six years ago. Even looking back on that relatively short period of time, those initial demands were almost quaintly simple by today's standards. They were largely perpetrated uh, en masse. Uh, almost like a mass phishing scheme. They oftentimes demanded very low dollar amounts, and they were very straightforward. You know, we've corrupted your data or encrypted your data, and unless you pay us $5,000 or maybe sometimes even $10,000, uh, we will delete your data, or we simply won't give you the decryption key. And that was it. It was very simple. Uh, you're in, you're out, pay the money and be done with it. Sometimes they took credit cards, increasingly they took cryptocurrency, that's since evolved, and yeah, those, uh, evolved those, that's, those, that's now considered the good old days, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed it is. And so, so it moved from that model to a model where much more sophisticated actors started to go after larger targets. If you were again thinking about the phishing analogy, more like whaling, with much more sophisticated variations of ransomware. Ransomware specifically designed to defeat the technologies that the companies had put in place to prevent the ransomware from uh, gaining a toehold, migrating, corrupting data, and then even, uh, even defeating technologies designed to air gap backups. So that today, when you look at some of the ransomware incidents that you're looking at in the news, you know, you're seeing large and sophisticated organizations, CNA, you know, reportedly the latest larger insurance carrier. Um, unfortunately, you know, this is coming to light because they've not been apparently avail uh, able to restore from backups. As if that wasn't enough, right? As if that wasn't enough, the wrongdoing has morphed from the relatively straightforward, your data's encrypted, give us money or you won't get the decryption key, to what you just described as the double extortion tactic, right? Which is not only will we encrypt your data, but we're gonna take your data. And so if you don't pay, not just one bad thing will happen, but two bad things will happen. Both, we will not give you the decryption key. And so you will be crippled and have to restore your business somehow, not from backups, but two, we will make public the data that is out there that we've taken from you. And we were seeing that in the Acelion hack, uh, recently a, a file transfer protocol sharing platform, which was compromised. The other thing we're starting to see too is what I call the the double extortion supply chain tactic uh, or, or version of it, where you're not just going after a company, but you're going after a provider of services to many companies, right? Uh, Acelion, for example, a file transfer platform that services many, many companies, including major law firms. More uh, problematic, 
rigorous and increasingly sophisticated actors are spending the time necessary to defeat some very sophisticated defenders. And that, quite frankly, is troubling. Mm, it really is. And uh, I, I know healthcare as an industry has been in the crosshairs of ransomware attacks, uh, particularly because the, the PHI, uh, the protected health care information, uh, has, uh, you know, high value, on, you know, on the dark web. But uh, are there any other verticals that seem to be targeted more than others? Well, I'll tell you this. I'm seeing, I'm seeing all industries being affected. I think what really keeps people up at night, and this was reported in, in the New York Times uh, uh, only a few days ago, uh, there was an interview with a senior official of a major automotive manufacturer, which talked about you know, what happens when we come to the day where there's a ransomware attack that is perpetrated against a major car company that essentially cripples all of the fleet of that car company, whether it's uh, the car company and its, uh, and its vehicle purchasers or a car rental company, you know, one of the big backbone providers. You know, essentially, when you think about it, um, cars are data centers on wheels. And how do we think about the day, that dark day, uh, and how do we prevent that day from coming, whereby ransomware actors launch malware, which essentially makes it impossible for anyone to start their car, right? Uh, wow. And the ransom is demanded, perhaps against the individuals, perhaps against their auto insurance companies, perhaps against the manufacturers of the vehicles, perhaps against the fleets that own them if they're rental vehicles or the companies uh, that own them if they're commercial enterprises. So, uh, so you know, that's kind of uh, the, the worst of the worst from an IoT perspective. It, it obviously could happen at the lower end. You know, no one can turn on their espresso machines in the morning which might actually have as many people upset as being unable to start their car in the morning. Um, but when you think about the fact that, you know, your coffee maker uh, very likely has an IP address, that means it has some type of computing capability. If it has an IP address that's connected to the internet, if that's computing capability, it's subject to ransomware. Um, it does raise the prospect of essentially millions of devices that we depend upon uh, being, uh, you know, essentially turned into bricks. Well, those IoT devices, you know, can be launching points, um, you know, for other devices on your network, including your, you know, your computer or, you know, any storage device or what have you. So it, it is. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, I mean, how many people have connected their ring doorbell to their iPhone, to their coffee maker, to their refrigerator, to their home entertainment system, to their car? The list goes on and on, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> A, a ransomware attack is uh, such a stressful event for any organization. And, uh, unfortunately, with these attacks increasing in frequency, pretty much any company or organization needs to be prepared to respond. Um, so when this happens, obviously, you need to investigate the incident and figure out the best way to move on. Um, can you describe some of the things a, a, an organization must do when responding to a ransomware attack? Who needs to be involved? Sure. Well, well, most importantly, you're going to have to have really good lawyers and really good technologists at your disposal. Uh, why, why good technologists is obvious. Um, why good lawyers may be less so. But, but think about it this way. You know, in the United States, when there's a significant data privacy or data security incident at a company, uh, the company's conduct is not going to be judged by a panel of computer scientists at MIT. It's not going to be judged by uh, you know, 
peer company as part of a trade association, their conduct is going to be put under the microscope by lawyers. Uh, you know, lawyers in suits uh, from you know regulatory uh, enforcement agencies, lawyers in really nice suits who are plaintiff class action counsel, um, or lawyers in robes. We call them judges. So when when an organization, and, and my remarks here really are, are towards organizations, experiences a significant cyber event, of which a ransomware event is a, a variant, um, it really should, right off the bat, get very good, experienced, competent legal counsel involved and very good technology consultants involved. And that's why it's been great, you know, these many years to partner with Guideposts and the great team that they have there. Because you really have to have your A team of uh, lawyers and technologists and consultants who've dealt with these issues on a day in and day out basis. Because for you, it's probably the first time that you're dealing with a ransomware attack, hopefully the first time and last time. Um, but certainly it's not something that you and your internal team are dealing with on a daily basis for the most part, unless you're a truly uh, very, very cyber mature organization. So the first thing that a competent you know, company should do is get good counsel and good technologists involved. Ideally, the technologists and the consultants are brought in under the protection of counsel privilege. And then quickly understand and decide what your legal options and your factual options are uh, at the very beginning. It could very well be that it's a matter you bring to the attention of law enforcement. You know, if you are the victim of a ransomware attack, you are the victim of a crime and you have the right and the ability to bring that matter to the attention of law enforcement. Obviously, you need to be guided by your counsel and your technologists in that regard. You're going to need to do things like preserve evidence, not have uh, not allow logs to be overwritten bag and tag affected systems, right? Sometimes companies in trying to restore systems will overwrite critical evidence. And that's kind of a, uh, an understandable occurrence, but it's one that you wanna try and avoid. You may also have to notify your insurance carrier if you're insured for the event. Ideally, we recommend that that is not the first call you make, but that is one of the, one of the first calls you make, but ideally in consultation with counsel and your technologist. So um, it really does take uh, quick movement bringing in the right people who have the right experience uh, for whom this is what they do pretty much for a living, um, because that's going to be uh, increasingly how you get to the best results possible. All right. Well, I I'm glad you mentioned all the different lawyers involved, <laughs> because <laughs> there are so many other critical areas that companies need to consider when they fall victim to ransomware, such as uh, potential sanctions violations, regulatory inquiries, and issues related to the actual payment of ransom when, when you have to do that. Uh, and we'll cover those in our next podcast. Thanks, Joe, for this useful advice. And thanks for joining our podcast today. I look forward to uh, our next podcast. And thanks to our listening audience for tuning in. For more information on enhancing your company's cybersecurity, or if you need help navigating the compliance issues associated with ransomware, please visit our website at guideposttsolutions.com.